As you're being seated, I want you to invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Chapter 4 of the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians. And as you are making your way there, I want you to stop for just a moment, high five your neighbor, and say, We made it to four. Go. All right. Congratulations. You are biblical scholars and experts on 1 Thessalonians chapters 1, 2, and 3. You have made it to chapter 4. And uh, I'm excited about what God is going to continue pouring into us in chapter 4. A quick reminder, Paul, Silas, and Timothy planted the church in Thessalonica during Paul's second missionary journey. Paul, Silas, and Timothy were separated from the believers in Thessalonica shortly after planting the church in Thessalonica due to the persecution and opposition they were facing for their faith in Christ Jesus. When Paul, Silas, and Timothy could no longer stand, not knowing how the believers in Thessalonica were doing, they sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to check on the believers to strengthen and encourage them in their faith in God. After ministering in Thessalonica, Timothy returned to Paul and Silas in Corinth and shared the good news of how the Thessalonian believers were living out their faith in God in the midst of their afflictions, trials, and sufferings for God. After hearing the report from Timothy, Paul joyfully wrote 1 Thessalonians to the believers in the church in Thessalonica. In chapters 1 through 3, Paul focused on the past. In chapters 1 through 3, Paul focused on the past. Paul wrote about their salvation, how they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God in Thessalonica. Paul wrote about how the believers in Thessalonica became an example and a model for believers in other churches to follow throughout the Greek provinces of Macedonia and Ahia. Paul defended their ministry to the believers in Thessalonica as he reminded them uh, that he, Silas, and Timothy were approved by God and trusted with the gospel of God and how they were seeking to please God and not people. Paul also encouraged the believers in Thessalonica uh, as they were uh, standing firm in their faith in God and they were showing the love of God to one another and to all those God placed around them. Paul, Silas, and Timothy were blessed and encouraged by the Thessalonian believers' faith in God and love for God. Paul, Silas, and Timothy loved these believers and thanked God for these believers. And Paul ended chapter 3 with a prayer for the believers in Thessalonica. Chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, Paul wrote these words, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. And so we see this amazing prayer. Paul, Silas, and Timothy asked God to direct their way back to Thessalonica so they could see these believers face to face again. Paul, Silas, and Timothy asked God to cause the Thessalonian believers to increase and overflow with love for one another and everyone God placed around them. Paul, Silas, Timothy asked God to help these believers in Thessalonica live holy lives pure and pleasing to him. What an amazing 
prayer for this church and for each one of these believers in Thessalonica. What an amazing prayer for our church today and for each one of us. This is certainly a prayer. This is scripture that we can pray for ourselves and for one another day by day. That God would cause us to increase and overflow with his love for one another and those he places around us. That God would help us to live holy and pure lives pleasing to him. In chapters 1 through 3, Paul focused on the past. In chapters 4 and 5, Paul focused on the present. Beginning in chapter 4, Paul gave the Thessalonian believers practical instructions and teachings on living the Christian life in a way that is pleasing to God. On living for God in a world opposed to God. Remember, the believers in Thessalonica were young in their faith in God. They still had much to learn about God. The truths that Paul prayed for these believers at the end of chapter 3, Paul began to teach to these believers at the beginning of chapter 4. And so we see there's a connection here between prayer and practice. There's a responsibility for the prayer and the prayee, if you will. Paul, Silas, and Timothy prayed that God would cause the Thessalonian believers to increase and overflow uh, with God's love and that he would help them to live holy lives. Paul, Silas, and Timothy then instructed the Thessalonian believers to pursue God because as they pursue God, God would increase and overflow his love in and through them to one another and those he placed around them and God would enable them to live holy lives. We have a responsibility to pray to God. We also have a responsibility to pursue God so that we can see the fulfillment of our prayers borne out in our lives. This is true for us today. An example would be we, as a church family, <clears throat> are praying for boldness to share Jesus for our missionaries who will be going to Panama and Montreal this summer. And our missionaries who are going to Panama and Montreal this summer are pursuing God, knowing that as they do, God will empower them to share Jesus as they go. And so we see this dual responsibility at play here End of chapter 3, moving into chapter 4, and also in our lives as well. One other quick note. In all five chapters of 1 Thessalonians, Paul focused on the future. In all five chapters, <clears throat> Paul shared a word in regards to encouraging these believers to stay ready for the return of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we know this world is not our home. Amen? This world's not our home. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to return for us to take us home to heaven with him for eternity. And it is the hope that we have in the return of Jesus that helps us live for Jesus day by day. Which is one of the reasons why Paul continued in each chapter to share this truth, to focus on the future, because Paul wanted them to understand and realize that in the midst of their trials, afflictions, and times of suffering for Jesus, if they maintained their hope in the return of Jesus, it would help them to live for Jesus day by day, which is still true for us today. And so Paul's instructions to these believers years ago are true for us today. And so we will now walk in uh, to chapter 4 this morning. In verse 1, Paul wrote these words. Additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received instruction... 
from us on how you should live and please God as you were doing, do this even more. What a great way to walk in the front door of chapter 4. What a great way for Paul to welcome us in to chapter 4. Paul reminded and challenged these believers in Thessalonica, and God is reminding and challenging us today that we are to live our lives pleasing to our Father. That we are to live our lives pleasing to God. So let's jump in to this amazing passage here uh, and see all that God has for us and, and receive it for ourselves personally so that we can share it with those God places around us uh, publicly this day and this week. Paul wrote, additionally then, additionally then literally means furthermore, uh, it means finally, it means for the rest. Additionally then, uh, signal the transition, Paul's transition from his theme, his topics and teaching in the first three chapters to, to his new theme, topic and teaching in chapter four and beyond. And so we see this transition. Additionally, then reads, now for the rest I have to say to you. Now for what I want to teach you. Now for the instructions I have to give to you. Additionally, then, brothers and sisters, just in case you're keeping count, this is the eighth time Paul has identified these believers in Thessalonica as his brothers and sisters. Every time Paul wrote, brothers and sisters, it was a reminder and a blessing to these believers. It reminded them of God's love for them. It reminded them of Paul, Silas, and Timothy's love for them. Because the truth biblically that we see and know is these folks in Thessalonica, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they were members of God's family, brothers and sisters by God's grace through the faith in Christ Jesus. They were blood related through the blood of Jesus Christ that he showed on the cross of Calvary, just as we are family, brothers and sisters today. And so whenever they read these words, brothers and sisters, I'm sure it brought a smile across their face. It filled them with joy and peace and strength as it reminded them that they weren't alone. Though Paul, Silas, and Timothy were away from them, they truly loved them. Brothers and sisters, there's great power in that understanding that we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Paul said, additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus. Now, we see the we is obviously Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, ask, we ask. Ask means, we ask, literally means we beseech you, we request of you, we urge you as your brothers in Christ. We urge you, we ask you as your brothers in Christ. Ask is in the present tense, which means Paul, Silas, and Timothy were continually asking these believers. We're going to find out what here in just a moment. They were continually asking and urging these believers in Thessalonica. We ask and encourage you encourage here means to come alongside you to encourage exhort help comfort cheer you on to come alongside to encourage to exhort to comfort to help to cheer on encourage is also in the present tense which means paul Silas, and timothy were not only asking these believers but they were also continually encouraging these believers See and understand there is passion here 
in this phrase, we ask and encourage you. There's passion behind these words. There's passion in the encouragement and in the exhortation. Because when you look at this word in the original language, you begin to understand that the imagery behind this word, ask and encourage, these two words, ask and encourage, the imagery behind encourage is that of parents coming alongside their children, a teacher coming alongside their students, a coach coming alongside their players, a commanding military officer coming alongside their soldiers, a pastor coming alongside their people to ask, to encourage, to cheer them on to urge them on in Christ Jesus, obviously. And we'll see the specific reason here in just a few moments. But we can stop just now and understand. We can begin to get an understanding of why there would be passion behind this asking and encouraging. Why Paul, Silas, and Timothy would be passionate about asking and encouraging these believers, cheering them on. We understand and realize this because we know and understand the reality of spiritual warfare. And they were in the thick of it. Remember, spiritual warfare is called warfare for a reason. It's warfare. We fight a spiritual battle every day, all through the day, to live God's way, not our way. We fight a spiritual battle every day to chase after Jesus instead of what we want, to chase after Jesus instead of what this world offers. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we need one another to ask and encourage us to fight the good fight of the faith. We need one another to ask and encourage us to walk in the spirit and not the flesh, to walk by faith and not by sight, to trust in the Lord with all our hearts, to lean on our own understanding, to think about God in all our ways. We need one another to ask and encourage us to stand firm in the Lord and in his vast strength. We need one another to ask and encourage us us to walk worthy of the calling we have received from God in Christ Jesus. We need this exhortation and encouragement. Why? Because we, like these believers in Thessalonica, like Paul, Silas, and Timothy, we are familiar with spiritual warfare. We are familiar with the challenge that it is for each of us on a day-by-day -day basis to walk in truth and not be distracted by lies. We understand and realize the challenge that it is for us to guard our minds, to take every thought captive and make it obedience to Christ. We know and understand this challenge. Paul, Silas, and Timothy understood the challenge personally. They understood that the believers of Thessalonica were dealing with this, which is why he started this teaching session and the transition into chapter 4 was saying additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you. He said, in the Lord Jesus, these were obviously not Paul, Silas, and Timothy's thoughts and words. Paul appealed to them in the Lord Jesus. Paul shared God's word and will for these believers, which was best for them. And we know and understand today that this is God's word. Amen. This is God's word. Every word in this word is the word of God to you and me, and it's best for us. 
And so we know and understand that just as Paul, Silas, Timothy were encouraging them according to the truth of God's word, as we stand and preach and teach, the pastors here, we are encouraging you according to the truth of God's word because we know God's word is best for us. So he's setting the stage here. Additionally, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus, putting the focus on the Father, as Paul always did. And then he continues and says that as you have received instruction from us, as you have received instruction from us, Paul reminded these believers of the instruction they received from Paul, Silas, and Timothy as Paul, Silas, and Timothy planted the church in Thessalonica. And they spent that month time period or a little less or maybe even a little more ministering there in Thessalonica. He reminded them of what happened when they were with them in Thessalonica as they planted the church. Paul, Silas, and Timothy shared the gospel in Thessalonica. And many of these believers believed it and received the good news of the gospel by faith. But no, Paul, Silas, and Timothy not only shared the gospel message in Thessalonica, but they also taught the truth of God's word. They taught them about living for this God that they had placed their faith in. They taught them about walking as Jesus walked. We see reference to this in chapter 2 and verse 13. Paul said previously, this is why we constantly, constantly thank God. Because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. So we see received here in chapter 4 verse 1 is in the aorist tense. That signified that these believers in Thessalonica, which Paul had already mentioned, these believers in Thessalonica, they had received the truth of God's word through Paul, Silas, and Timothy. They believed it and they welcomed it into their lives by their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And so Paul here again, he's, he's starting this teaching section off verse 1. Addition to them, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received instruction from us, remember what we taught you when we were with you. Don't forget that. Remember how you received the word that you heard from us. You believed it. You welcomed it into your life. You began living it out through your life. He then continues and he says that you have received instruction from us on how you should live and please God. So here's the instruction that they received. Here's the point. Here's the direction. Ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus to live and please God. Paul followed a simple rule in his preaching, teaching, and writing ministry. And uh, we've discussed this before as we've walked through many of other writings from the Apostle Paul. Uh, his simple rule was this, doctrine first, then duty. Beliefs first, then behavior. Precept first, and then practice. Paul taught these believers what God wanted them to know. Paul taught them doctrine, what God wanted them to know. Paul also taught them how to apply what God wanted them to know in their lives. He taught them doctrine and duty, beliefs and behavior. 
You see, the reason for this is God wants us to live what we learn from his word. The reason for this is simple. God's word isn't meant just to inform us. It's meant to transform us. Amen? It's meant to transform us. This word of God informs us, but it doesn't stop there because that just builds up knowledge which puffs up into pride and arrogance. No, it informs us so that it can then transform us as it flows out through our lives. And the transformation part of it is the word of God transforms us to make us more like Jesus. So like I said, renew your mind on this word. That's the transformation process. And so we see that he taught them. He was sharing with them how you can live and please God. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy obviously taught the believers in Thessalonica how to live and please God. Live here, as you see that in that verse one, live refers to our conduct, our lifestyle, our walk. Our conduct, our lifestyle, our walk. As followers of Jesus, we should walk and live pleasing to God. As followers of Jesus, our walk, our lives should be consistent on a day-by-day -day basis. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should walk and live in our homes, our neighborhoods, our schools, our places of work, our church, everywhere we go should be pleasing to God. Saying, we give you instruction on how to live and please God. Everywhere we go, the good times and bad, the mountaintops, the valleys, every step in between, these folks were dealing with trials and afflictions and tribulations and times of suffering. Remember, how we instructed you how to live and please God. Everywhere we go, as follows Jesus Christ, we are witnesses for Jesus. We should be consistent in our witness and our walk. And our walk, the way we live, should be pleasing to the Father. Our goal each day is to live and please God. And this is what he was sharing with these believers. He said, additionally, and brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you've received instruction from us on how to live and please God, that's what they were teaching them. Part of what they taught them was how to live and please God. And then he continues, look at this, as you are doing, say that with me, as you are doing, what does that mean? It means Paul encouraged them and he said to them, you're doing it. We gave you instruction on how to live and please God as you are doing. He was encouraging them. He said, you guys are doing it. You are living and pleasing God. You are walking the walk and talking the talk. You are living for Jesus by the power of Jesus at work in your lives. You are doing what we were teaching you to do. You are doing what we were asking you to do. This is good news. This is great news. I mean, Paul is just pouring encouragement into them. Brothers and sisters, we've asked and encouraged you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received instruction from us on how to live and please God, you, we taught you about how to live and please God, and we taught you it was going to be a challenging time and a challenging walk because there's this thing called spiritual warfare and trials and tests and tribulations. But listen, you're doing it. You're doing it. I mean, that's a high five through the letter. 
from Paul to these believers. And I would dare say to you this morning, it's my joy and privilege as your pastor to be able to say to you, I believe the same is true of our church family. You're doing it. You're living and pleasing God. They weren't perfect. Paul, Son, and Timothy weren't perfect. We know that perfection is not the goal. But passion and desire to live our lives in a way that's pleasing to God, to continue growing him, to making disciples of those God placed around us. The believers in Thessalonica had it, and I believe we have it right here in our church family. You're doing it. These believers were doing it. Paul wasn't with them. But I have, a, I, I have a strong idea of if he was with them saying this, I mean, he would walk on a high five and a holy head button, everybody. He'd be fired up. Why? Because it's important, that passion, that encouragement, that exhortation. Why? Because spiritual warfare is difficult. Life is difficult. Living the Christian life is not easy. But we see this is just great encouragement. But I want you to see how he ends. You would think maybe there's a period right there. You're doing it. High five, throw a party, and then chill out. Relax. You're good. Not a chance. Like a great coach, like a great teacher, like a great commanding officer, like a great father, like a great mother. Look at what Paul, pastor's heart coming through. Look at what he says. He says that you have received instruction from us on how you should live and please God as you are doing do this even more. Woo, that is good. Do this even more means do this even more. That's what it means. Listen, I got news for you. Nike stole their slogan from the scriptures. They did. Whether they realized it or not, they did. James said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Translated, just do it. Just do it. You see that just as I see that. Just do it. That's in the scripture first and foremost. I love this part. Paul amped this up and Paul said, just do it even more. Just do it more and more and more. What? An amazing encouragement. And I understand, here's, here's where you begin to really understand what this means. Do this even more means abound, excel, overflow more and more in living and pleasing God. You see, the instruction was to live and please God, which they were doing. So Paul said, now I want you to do this even more. I want you to abound, excel, overflow more and more in living and pleasing God. Paul challenged them to keep following Jesus more and more. Paul challenged them to keep growing in Jesus more and more. Paul challenged them to keep loving Jesus more and more. Paul challenged them to keep living for Jesus more and more. Paul challenged them to abound, excel, and overflow in living and pleasing God more and more day by day. You see, the truth is, no matter our level of spiritual growth and maturity, no matter our level, your level, my level of spiritual growth and maturity, we must keep giving to Jesus more and more. We must keep growing in Jesus more and more. And we must keep going for Jesus more and more. We must keep on living and pleasing God more and more day by day. You see, there is always room for us to abound, excel, overflow more and more in our faith in God and our love for God by the power of God at work in us. And that's exactly what 
Paul was challenging these believers. He was challenging them as a great pastor to his people. He said, hey, listen, you're doing a great job, and I want to encourage you. And I want you to hear it. I want you to embrace it. I want you to enjoy it. But then I want you to take that second and then dump it, and here's what I want you to know. Do it even more. Do it even more. Why? Well, there's many reasons why. Time is is short. Eternity is at stake, and people need Jesus. And we have an opportunity to share and point this to him. So there's great encouragement as he finishes verse 1. Do this even more. Live and please God even more and more day by day. As well as you're doing it now, and you're doing it well now. Do it more. By the power of God at work in you. By the power of God at work in you. His strength through our lives, not our strength. Paul is not saying work harder, try better, be stronger in and of yourself. No, he's just saying do it even more. Continue the instruction on living and pleasing God, which means you submit to God. His power flows through you as you're able to live and please him. He continues in verse 2, and he says, For you know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So here we get a little bit more clarification. He said, For you know. Again, Paul reminded them of the truth that they already taught them when they were with them in Thessalonica during the time they planted the church in Thessalonica. For you know, pointed them back to what they had already taught them, that he's been telling them, that they received instruction from them. For you know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Commands there. Commands These are, what he's saying here is, for you know the commands, the commands that Paul, Silas, Timothy gave them were God's orders and instructions. They weren't their commands. They were God's orders and instructions in the Lord Jesus, through the Lord Jesus, as he contextualized in verses 1 and 2. We see commands here in verse 2 as a military term. It's actually a term they brought out of the military. And so what Paul was saying is, he, Silas, and Timothy gave the Thessalonian believers their orders and instructions from their commanding officer, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He said, hey, we're just simply passing along the orders of our commanding officer. And so we see Paul, Silas, and Timothy challenge these believers to abound, excel, and overflow more and more in living and pleasing God by following God's commands, orders, and instructions. So we're able to abound, excel, and overflow more and more in living and pleasing God as we get right back to the Word of God. Paul was drawing that connection to the commands that he had given to them, that God had spoke through them to the believers in Thessalonica. God wants us... God wants you and he wants me today to increase, to abound, excel, and overflow more and more in living and pleasing him. God wants us to abound, excel, and overflow more and more in living our lives pleasing to him today and this week. The simple question then, the key question is how? How? How does this happen? We see within the context of verses 1 and 2. We live and please God as we pursue and obey God. We live and please God as we pursue and obey God. Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8, And my God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in everything, always having everything you need, 
you may excel in every good work. We live and please God as we pursue and obey God. As we pursue God, as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. As we obey God, as we live in God's strength, not ours. As we live God's way, not ours. God, through the truth of his word, has promised that he will make every grace overflow to you and me. He'll make every grace abound to you and me. He'll make every grace excel and increase in you and me. As we pursue and obey God, God will empower us to increase and overflow with his love to one another and those he places around us. As we pursue and obey God, God will empower us to live holy lives, pure and pleasing to him. God will empower us to wait with him as he continues his work in our lives, answering our prayers and molding us into the image of Christ Jesus. As we pursue and obey God, God will empower us to endure in our faith in him in the midst of our trials and tribulations and times of suffering. God will empower us to help others come to know Jesus. God will empower us to help others grow in Jesus. God will empower us to make disciples of all nations. As we pursue and obey God, God will empower us to abound, excel, and overflow in every good work that he has prepared in advance for us to do. You see, as we pursue and obey God, God will empower us to abound, excel, and overflow in living our lives pleasing to him. Living and pleasing God is best for us. Living and pleasing God makes sense to us because God has called us out of the darkness of sin and the marvelous light of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Living and pleasing God makes sense to us because God has breathed spiritual life into our spiritually dead bodies by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Living and pleasing God makes sense to us because we have been forgiven by God. We've been made right by God in Christ Jesus. You see, the scriptures teach us that there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. The scriptures teach us that we are new creations in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. I said the old is gone and the new has come. Say that with me. The old is gone and the new has come. I hope you believe that because it's true. The old is gone and the new has come. And so we see that Jesus Christ paid our price for sin with his blood that he shed on the cross at Calvary so that we might be able to receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. How do we live and please God? We live and please God as we pursue and obey God, as we seek him first day by day. Living and pleasing God is to be the goal, our desire, our passion, our purpose each day as followers of Jesus Christ. The best thing each one of us can do today is please God. The best thing that each one of us can do today is to please God. Fathers, the best thing you can do 
for your wives is please God. Fathers, the best thing you can do for your children is to please God. The best thing that each of us can do today is simply to please God. Everyone wins when we live our lives pleasing to God. This is what Paul was trying to get through to these believers. We all win. We win though we're separated from you. You win together. In the challenging times, in the times of peace, in the times of trials, in the times of blessings. You remember the instruction we taught you on how to live and please God. You're doing it. Now just keep doing it more and more. Keep pursuing God, walking in obedience to the truth that you know from God. And he will empower you to live your lives pleasing to God. We please God quite simply as we do what God says day by day, step by step, moment by moment. The words to the old hymn ring true this morning. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. I want to encourage